Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your host for this episode of the show, and the Chief Lounge Lizard. Good sirs and ladies, hail and well met. Hear ye, hear ye, be it known that the topic for this fine day is role-playing games. Okay, I guess I can drop the fake Renaissance Festival accent before I start trying to sell you all turkey legs. But uh, role-playing games, obviously, um, are uh, a staple of the industry, and we have not done a lounge on role-playing games yet. So I have brought in uh, four people with very active fantasy lives <laughs> to, uh, to talk about the topic. Uh, joining us today is Nate Woolley. He's our publisher, and even though he hides it very well, long-time role-playing geek. Uh, I believe he played uh, pen and paper games all the way back to the, the Gary Gygax era, so we're happy to have Nate in the lounge today. Also joining us is Kelly Adams, a host of our other show, The uh, the Gamer Geeks, which, uh, Kelly, we should be having a new Gamer Geeks up soon, shouldn't we? Yeah, actually, it should be very soon. Okay, well, we're looking, <laughs> we're looking forward to that, and I know you, Kelly, you've sort of come into the, uh, the role-playing genre late Late in life, so uh, or later in life, certainly than than Nate. So interesting to get your opinion on things, since you apparently lived a good portion of your life without being a total geek. <laughs> yeah, well, I kept my nose stuck in a book <laughs> a lot. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I had a nose, my nose stuck in a book too, but it was a Dungeon Master's Guide, so I, I don't know if that helped me with anything. And then we also have the man, the legend, James Maddox. Uh, how, how are you doing, James? Welcome to the lounge today. Doing pretty good. A little bit scared, but you know. <laughs> James is a little frightened because he's not a, uh, a hardcore role player, so he he's thinking he's going to be a little bit out of his, out of his element. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep you along. You, you could be like the party wizard. We'll keep you in the middle of the party, and you should be fine. Okay, great. <laughs> and then we have. Uh, uh, for the first time joining us in the lounge, we have Chris Richards. Chris Richards has been playing role-playing games for about as long as I have on the computer, which means that that's a very, very long time. Uh, Chris also recently reviewed Sacred 2, which was an interesting role-playing game that started out on the computer and then was recently ported over to the PC. So I want to hear about uh, what Chris had to think about Sacred 2. Chris, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for putting down the 20-sided die and, and coming and spending some time in the lounge with us. I know. Actually, I play more role-playing games on the computer now than I do on paper, but it's 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 a tough sell. <laughs> well, I know you play what – do you, what do you play pen and paper now? Twice a week, right? So. Uh, just, actually, just down to once a week now. Okay. All right. Well – you know, as long as we, long as we get our habits covered, I guess we're okay. So, um, so let me start with Nate. Okay, Nate. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons I, I had you on along on the show today was because I know that you are a huge pen and paper role player. Uh, I have played many a game around your kitchen table, uh, going back as far as uh, what, what, like twelve years or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and folks, I, folks, you would not believe it. I used to have these things catered. <laughs> That's right. I remember we had we always had the barbecue chicken and everything would come in. It was it was a, a role playing day. It was quite fun. Hey, it's it's the way you're gonna do it if you're gonna do it. Well, and I know you used to play role playing games pen and paper style even before that. I mean, I mean, oh, be, yes. before I knew you, you were you were playing as a teenager or whatever, or college, right? Farther 
much farther back than that. I go back to the original eight books published by Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax out of Wisconsin all those years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. I am indeed the official GameIndustry.com old guy, I remember. <laughs> That's true. Well, from an old guy's perspective, or not necessarily an old guy's perspective, but an pers- experienced perspective, a nice lot of catch. Pe- Nice catch. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people, when they start playing role-playing games, their first experience, and I think Kelly is sort of like this, uh, their first experience with Role playing is on the on the computer games. Your first your first when you start actually role playing is when you start playing Oblivion or Morrowind or something like that, or or even maybe going farther back and doing Baldur's Gate. And maybe you didn't have maybe they didn't have you know a group of kids who like to play Dungeons and Dragons, or could have been a dearth of geeks in their neighborhood or something. But from your perspective, where you did have that. How did that change – how did that color your perceptions of what you expected to see from a role-playing game on the computer? And did you ever find any titles where you thought, wow, this is pretty cool. This is what, this is what I expected it to be. And, or did you find any that were in, in some respects better? The, it's, the real tricky part here is the fact that uh, the two hobbies, the two industries, computer games and the tabletop role-playing games, use the phrase RPG in a very different way. Okay. I've I've never found what what the computer industry, what the games industry calls an RPG to to be what I expected an RPG to be. You know, people call Final Fantasy and, and Morrowind RPGs, but they're basically wandering around, you know, living an adventure and that's great. But you're missing the role playing part. You're never actually playing a role. There's there's none of the acting, there's none of the riffing off other people involved. Mm-hmm. There have been some very good attempts at it, specifically in the D&D world, Uh, a a fatally flawed uh, but very entertaining game was Temple of Elemental Evil that came out six or seven years ago. God, maybe more. Right, right. That that actually took an AD&D module, two modules, and put them into, again, a flawed and buggy but recognizable uh, uh, world. That the adventure could go in, but at the same time, you know, it's one person doing it. Right, and I know there's there's been some attempts with uh, like the Neverwinter Nights series mm-hmm. to really mimic the pen and paper world where e- each person is playing a character and there's like a dungeon master who's running it and so forth. Um, but I mean, really, that 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 that's probably the closest that we're going to get is where you actually have a dungeon master and each person plays a different character. But barring that. I suppose what you're saying is the fact that you're playing more or less a single-player experience. Well, I guess what you're saying is that the fun of the pen and paper role-playing game is getting together with all your friends. Yeah, in the end, it's a social experience, whereas uh, traditional computer game-based role-playing experiences are a solitary event. Now, you're right. You're absolutely right that Neverwinter Nights, both one and two, mm-hmm. were we're groping towards something that could be really fulfilling for a traditional uh, role-playing game, you know, RPG or from the tabletop version. You know, you're getting to a point where somebody's building an adventure and you can interact with separate people. And to a certain extent, some of the uh, MMOs are getting to that point too. But I don't think they're there yet. Right. Yes, you, you can interact with other people, but the adventures and the sort of one-side, you know, one-sided approach to it is still taking away from the, the open-ended free-for-all that a, a tabletop RPG can be. Absolutely. But you think it's possible that we'll get there and we're sort of moving in the right direction? 
Oh, certainly. We need we need a little better broadband mm-hmm. and a little better, you know, traditional broadband uh, installation because mm-hmm. you can't play these things with any sort of delay. Um, and then you also need um, what do you call it? You need a little more imagination, a little more interactivity out of the programmers, out of the game publishers, to bring those people, uh, you know, to build a world in which a group of people can adventure together. Now, Kelly, that kind of contrasts with your experience, Nate, Nate being the old school pen and paper gamer, and how he sort of sees computer games as they relate to the pen and paper stuff. You didn't really have a lot of pen and paper experience, so so how did you get into role playing games on the computer, and what was your first uh, impressions of them? Well, um, I got married, and then the MS, uh, you know, has worked. I didn't get a chance really to play too much, mm-hmm. but. Then the MS says, no, more work, you stay home. And that's when I've become immersed into the, the role-playing genre. I really got a kick out of it. Uh, Oblivion was the one that sucked me in. That I, I lost so much of my life to that. <laughs> now, Oblivion was really was, was really cool, and it was really sort of the follow-up to, to Morrowind, and w- which was one of the first games that had the giant open atmosphere where you could pretty much – you could follow the main quest – I believe I talked to some of the guys at Bethesda, and they call it the greased rail. In other words, it's very easy to find the main quest and to follow it. But the cool thing about Oblivion was that you could just go anywhere and do pretty much anything. Was was that what attracted you to the game, or was it the combat, or what? What did you like about it that made you lose so much so much time? It was the story and just the whole open. I love that sandbox, just open world, and just being able to go off and do and don't have to do the main quest. Can do the sides or can just you know piss off around town and do whatever to kill off everybody that you can possibly in the game if you have a tirade. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like sort of like real life without all the killing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to go to jail, you know, that kind of stuff. No trial. Yeah, definitely. Well, the uh, actually an interesting story, Chris. Maybe you remember this. Were you with E3 at E3 with us the year, and we were having our sort of dinner after the show, and that one girl who was a reporter for another magazine came up and and said, "Do you guys play Oblivion?" and sat down and talked to us about how she played the sandbox mode for like an hour. <laughs> yes, I, I was there for that. I think it was at Denny's or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Like people off the street are just accosting us and talking to us about how cool Oblivion was. So <laughs> that was a pretty good indication that that game had made it. And she, her, her story was she just played the alchemy part. I mean, she just wanted to be an alchemist and basically spent hours and hours going around combining ingredients and stuff. So I mean, talk about sandbox mode. That that's pretty sandboxy. That's deep. <laughs> I, I guess that's one. I guess that's one way to uh, to uh, to put it. Um, now, James, you are sort of even on the extreme side of Kelly because I, I know Kelly's played a little bit of pen and paper role playing games. She may not admit it, but I know she's played Vampire the Masquerade uh, a lot, <laughs> or at least some. <laughs> oh, it was a lot. <laughs> so, 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 James, you you're coming into the role playing games, and you haven't uh, you haven't really had any experience with the pen and paper side of things have you no no not at all so i know you play fallout was that kind of the first real like role-playing game that with the the big deep open world that you'd gotten into yeah i i could agree with that um and to be honest like i I loved fallout you know and i have a feeling that i would really enjoy uh a number of role-playing games 
but there's, it was so time consuming. I, I lost a month of my life, you know, <laughs> it, it was done over with. So that's, that's kind of what's kept me away from it. You know, and I think, uh, and it just occurs to me, but I think that that's kind of really the attraction that a lot of people have with these role playing games. I mean, right. I was just thinking, I, I don't watch the view that terribly often. Uh, however, there was one where, um, the guy who plays, who played Chandler Bing on Friends, uh, I can't remember his name, Matthew Perry, he actually gave a copy of Fallout 3 to somebody, um, who had, they won it in some contest. And the reason was because he played the game so much, I mean, apparently, he <laughs> dropped out of society for like three months, and he hurt his finger. Like, beyond carpal tunnel, he had to have surgery to, to repair his finger because of playing Fallout uh, on the console so much. So, yeah, so, I mean, I don't think there's any other genre that can suck you in like that. I, I mean, yeah, and I, I, I tend to, you know, I tend to like my games kind of packaged uh, to where it's going to take some time to get through them, but it's not going to, you know, give you a, a billion different scenarios that you that you have the choice to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, like I said, I have things demanding my time right now. <laughs> yes, as as we all do now. Um, right. Now, Chris, you recently looked at probably, I guess, as far as reviews in Jin goes, probably the most recent role-playing game we've reviewed was uh, Sacred 2. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because that was a game that actually came out for the PC on, uh, I believe uh, Kelly was telling me it was November of 2008 when it was out for the PC, and then it recently got ported over just, just within the last month to uh, to the PlayStation 3. So yeah, and, and the Xbox. Oh, and the Xbox 2. That's what I have it on is 360. Oh, you have it too, Kelly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, well, oh. thanks to Gamefly, which I will be keeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. That's a pretty good service. You guys get to try those games out and keep them. So, Chris, what was what was Sacred Two like? Was was it so good on the computer that they had to bring it over to the to console? I mean, that, uh, well, that's kind of a rare I, path. I didn't play it on the computer, so I'm not exactly sure. It's not one that I played on the computer, mm-hmm. and I I don't know if it was good enough on the computer. The some of the comments I've been hearing, you know, I don't I don't look at comments before I, I play a game and review it, but post game. No, I don't gather it's like a mega hit that was that was just had it ported over. I think it was just it was good enough that it was it was ported over, and it I wouldn't say that it was an easy port. <laughs> I think it's a little more complicated than a console can really handle. But I have to say, I think they did a good job with that. Uh, there's a lot of um, ways you can set up your your controller to um, do certain moves that you use a lot. <laughs> Now, was it an action RPG? Like a lot of combat? It's, it's, it's more of a combat. I would say more com- combat. It's, it's, there's quests, but they're kind of, eh. Like, I mean, you, you do them because some of them are pretty funny, <laughs> but it's not that you, it's not like Fallout or Oblivion or Morrowind where you're like, wow, that's an awesome quest. I gotta do that. I gotta save this person. No, it was more like, okay, you know, I want, I want, I just want to do it. It's more like walking around and just killing stuff, collecting the, Gear you find, trading it in to upgrade your character, and repeat. It sounds almost like it. I mean, that's kind of the way a lot of console RPGs are because of the the lack of depth and the lack of a uh, control scheme. So, I mean, it almost sounds like maybe it was a mistake to bring it out on the computer. Kelly, would you would you say because you you have it as well? Do, would you would you say it's more of a console type of game than a computer type of role playing game? Well, yeah, I can see how. 
the only difference is that when you have it a PC game, I mean, there's so much openness for like the user creation mods and all right. different. It's when the hackers get in and go, ha ha, <laughs> do their little thing. It, it, that's really interesting. That's one of the things that the consoles really lack mm-hmm. is the user creation stuff. But I, I really like it's a good dungeon crawler, and I'm normally not a fan of dungeon crawlers. That's cool. Well, anybody who wants to, oh, go ahead, Chris. See, I'm more of a um, kind of follow the quests, and and I'm more into that than it's a pure dungeon crawler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's just a different opinion. No, and I think it's I think I think what we're seeing between Chris and Kelly is and James as well is sort of the difference between and, and Nate is Nate and Chris are more of the pen and paper type of gamers, where whereas they have that rich history of of role playing games on paper, where you know, the game is designed for you to go out and kill the orc lord, but you probably spend 15 game sessions with your dungeon master having bar fights and just crap that has nothing to do with the main plot. Um, and we sort of look for that in a lot of computer games and, and don't like the don't like it when we're sort of cattle prodding into it. Well, it all depended on stuff when I did play vampire and stuff on how much alcohol was involved <laughs> during it, because that's when the storyline and stuff would go way off in the deep end. Uh, it's different, you know, it kind of would fizzle out at times. <laughs> I got you know, and the one thing, Kelly, I, I'm, I may, I may send you my copy of Vampire Bloodlines to play because you should play it. But I want it back because it's like one of my favorite games, and it is hard to find these days. But but I can let you borrow it. I think you'll really love it. Uh, it's a good game. And now that I actually have a PC where I can play games and stuff, I'm not all Mac geeked out. You know. <laughs> well, it's in the back room. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this this game is like four or five years old, so you should be able to play it. Although, definitely have to get the user patches because unfortunately, a lot of these role playing games are pretty buggy out of the box, and uh, so and that was definitely one of them. So, Chris, uh, I know uh, in terms of role playing games from the, the early days, probably one of the f- most popular ones when role playing games really got popular was the Baldur's Gate series. Uh, and it introduced two things that became a staple in the role-playing genre that stuck for a very long time and are still in, and that's the top-down view and also the multiple party, uh, where you have six, five or six people in your party that yep. you control and manipulate. And that was kind of the staple for a while. Uh, I assume you, you played Baldur's Gate, right, Chris? That's one I don't uh, remember if you played. I did, yes. Yeah, I mean, that game was – it was also episodic in a sense because you would go through, say, six chapters with Baldur's Gate and then Baldur's Gate 2 throwing a ball would come out and you'd buy that and you could continue the storyline, which was which was kind of unique at the time as well. Uh, and then – uh, the world kind of changed. They start. It started going. It started going three dimensional, uh, where we started having 3D graphics and so forth. And I think the most popular game in that era at that time was probably the Eye of the Beholder series. Chris, do you do you remember Eye of the Beholder? I do remember Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was your impressions when you started to to be able to explore in a 3D environment? At the time, it was just completely revolutionary and just fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, – I was just going to say I remember the first time an actual 3D spider started crawling at me. I was like, oh my god, that is so scary. I mean today it would be almost quaint, but at the time it was really frightening to have those damn spiders attacking you. Uh, yeah, yes. And then and – then, uh, uh, Chris, I, I think I'll also mention – I know we wasted a lot of time with uh, Betrayal at Crondor and – uh, and then Lands of Lore, which was narrated by who? 
Uh, Patrick Stewart. Yes, Patrick. Everyone knows him from from Star Trek: The Next TNG. Yes, he was also at the time he was doing all those commercials for um, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> if anybody remembers those, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was online Encyclopedia Britannica, and he would say, "Welcome to the Encyclopedia Britannica." Just like when Lands of Lore came up, he would say, "Welcome to Lands of Lore." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I believe he played the king in Lands of Lore, which was interesting. Yes, yes, he, well, oh yeah, I mean he's uh, uh, he's well, I mean he's a Shakespearean actor, so I mean my right. God, he's 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 perfect for that. I don't know how the people at Westwood Studios got him to be in their game, but I think he probably sold as many copies as anything else. Now, uh, let's go back to uh, Kelly. Um, Kelly, now, I know you play on the PC now and also on the console. Would you say that there's a difference between the two? I mean, what they call role-playing game on the console and what they call role-playing game on, on the PC? I think the, the from what I've seen so far, I think the PC ones are more deep, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yes. They're, they're, more, they're more intricate and it's just, it's, it's so interesting to see it. It's so many branches and divisions in it. It's wow. <laughs> it gets me lost sometimes. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna need a notebook. I gotta take notes so I don't forget this. You know, <laughs> to get everything down with it. Uh, really, The Witcher is the one that's I've really noticed there. I'm going, oh goodness, okay, dear. Now, how did I do that? <laughs> I totally forgot about The Witcher, but you're right. The Witcher was pretty in depth. It doesn't get as much play as say Oblivion or Morrowind or anything, and in a lot of ways, it's not as good a game. But it it does have a pretty pretty interesting world with a with a, a lot of flavor that you can definitely get into. Yeah, it's very nice. You know, it, I kind of like the more. I, tend to go for more of the static character where it's like this is who you are instead of you know or oblivion it's like you got to change your facial structure and everything and your collar and yeah you know, it's it's like oh my lord <laughs> i just want to play it come on <laughs> now 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 it's too bad that uh shella couldn't join us this week because she's the exact opposite she will spend Three days doing character creation before she even plays a game <laughs> so no, i'm more let me jump right into it and Get this get this party going. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I enjoy the character. I enjoy looking at my character. I, I was playing um, uh, Fallout. I was just uh, pl- reviewing the Point Lookout one, and there's a part in Point Lookout where you have to go and get these seeds. And unbeknownst to you, somebody performs surgery on your brain and and actually cuts some of your brain out at one point in the in the module. And I'm walking around. I have this huge scar on my head. And I didn't even know – you don't even know what happened, right, at first. And I'm like, why the heck does my character have a scar on his head? I was so angry that they put a scar on my head, and I didn't know. And it's silly, but, you know, the character was actually important to me. <laughs> well, at least it's not like falling asleep and getting stars tattooed on half of your face, so <laughs> – that's true. That's true. Now, Chris, uh, the one thing I did want to bring up as far as console RPGs is uh, the one thing that I think console RPGs have over PC RPGs is the ability to play together with other people. Um, I mean, obviously, you can go online and play online MMOs, which is sort of a different topic. But there's something about gathering a whole bunch of people together around the console. And Chris, I know you and your you and your wife have played some of those. Um, some of those games like uh, Champions of Norath and things like that, haven't, haven't you? And, and enjoyed oh, yes. the experience. It's, it's 
It's very much so. I mean, it's it's limited to two people, mm-hmm. but you know, you got a you got your wife there, and she's willing to play, and she gets into it just as much as you do. Uh, it's it's a great you know bonding couples experience. <laughs> a couples gaming. Wow, wow. Well, I don't know about that, but it, yeah, we had a good time with it. I mean, she's. You know, I think she tolerates it, but she comes and plays paper, paper-based role-playing games. That's true. And she's certainly got into Morrowind and Oblivion. Uh, she's a limited attention span, mm-hmm. but she, you know, while she's into them, she's totally into them, and we're like battling for the console or the PC um, for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I find that sometimes uh, my wife and I get into fights when we're playing. Like she'll yell at me, "How come you didn't protect my back?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I didn't see him." <laughs> <laughs> That that happens too, yes. <laughs> uh, James, you you play with with your wife as well, but you play single player games with her somehow, right? Yeah, we. It's more like you know watching a movie, I guess. It's not 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 necessarily co opt. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Okay. It's the tag system. Yeah, you're it. Yeah, you're it. <laughs> it's like okay, this one, this enemy's like, if, especially certain boss battles, I'll just be like, ugh. Yeah, or so yeah, it. and not handing the controller and like here, Brandon, you you did this part. <laughs> that that is so funny to hand him off for the, the so he gets to play all the crappy tough parts. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I'll I'll still get them, but it's just certain parts and stuff that will just if I'm frustrated, which does happen frequently, <laughs> then he gets yeah, handed the ever- controller. Were you one of the controller throwers? Because I, I was I was big on that when I got really angry. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of toss a couple. You know who throws controllers, and you wouldn't know this by looking at him, but Greg Crow. Greg Crow is like the most mild-mannered person in the world, but he comes over and he'll be playing Tomb Raider or something, and he'll get pissed off and he'll throw the freaking controller against the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, the- you're gonna break my controller. What are you doing? That was the game that I tossed the controller on. Well, it was okay back in like the Nintendo days when they weren't that expensive, but now they're they're up there. Yeah. Then you go and buy one, and then you go, ooh. Then you don't throw it. It more like it's a soft lob where it rolls (laughs) on the ground. (laughs) Aha, take that as I softly roll you to the ground. (laughs) Maybe it's just Tomb Raider that does that to you. I don't know. So... All right, uh, final question. I think we had some fun with, with role-playing games. If anybody's listening along and you have a favorite role-playing game you'd like to let us know about, send an email to ginlounge at gameindustry.com. We'd love to hear from you. So quick question for uh, uh, James, Chris, and Kelly. Uh, favorite computer role-playing game of all time? And we're going to go to Chris first. Ooh, that's hard. Um I think as far as old school goes, right? Never winner, never winner nights. Ah, never winner nights. So much user con- user creation, but I have to say I am totally right now in love with Fallout Three. <laughs> Definitely to go for the easiest. I thought you were going to say Rogue. <laughs> I think mean, that's not. I don't consider that a role playing game. Though. Right, that's true. That's true. There was no character updating. That's true. That's true. And James, I'd ask you, but you're probably going to say Fallout as well because that's sort of the game that you play, right? Right, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> okay, and uh, Kelly, what what about you? Oh, for the PC, I mean, it's it's right now. Honestly, Hellgate's got more of a pull to me than The Witcher. Mm. I I like guns. What can I say? And <laughs> now Hellgate I mean, Hellgate's more of a shooter too. Y- yeah, until well, I guess I say until I get the vampire bloodlines because I I do get sucked in because I'm a big True Blood fan and. Yeah, I like the whole vampire genres. 
That's cool. I'm, I'm definitely gonna let you borrow that vampire game, so you just have to promise to get it back to me. Don't send oh, it. Yeah. Don't send it by U- USPS and get it lost in the mail, please. <laughs> that still makes me so. <laughs> all right. Um. So everybody, thanks. Thanks for joining me in the lounge today, and thanks for all our our fans. Uh, you know, send us an email, ginlounge at gameindustry.com. Let us know what you like to play, and until next time, let's hope that uh, all of your quests end in lots of gold pieces and experience, and no. No full party wipeouts.